Good morning. Good morning, everybody. As Gino said, my name is Lauren. I'm the prayer ministry coordinator here at the SSV. I'm really happy to see everybody's faces here in person. Welcome if you're here for the first time. Um, also, welcome to everybody who's joining us online, online, whether you're watching us this morning on Sunday live or watching us later. And know that you're always welcome to come and join us here in person as well. Well, today is a special day. It's Mother's Day, and I wanted to take a moment to just wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. I wanted to, yeah, happy Mother's Day. I wanted to give a shout out to a couple special moms in my life. My mom, hi mom, my stepmom, Cindy, and um, my mother-in-law, Caritas. Um, and this is a day to celebrate mothers in all of their forms, whether you're a mother or a grandmother or an auntie or just someone who nurtures other people. Um, we we want to also recognize that, that this day can, is not a joyful day for everybody, um, whether you have lost your mother or whether you are a mother who has lost a child or you are someone who has yet to become a mother. And we want to just give room for that grief and we hope that you find some comfort today in fellowship. So I'd like to just say a quick blessing over the mothers and nurturers here today. So if you are near one, if you can just extend your hand towards them or lay your hands on them. Lord, we thank you for these women. We thank you for the bounty of gifts you have equipped them with. We pray that you would come and bless them right now in this moment, that the love and nurturing that they pour out on those around them, that you would pour back into them tenfold. I pray that you would fill them up, not only with your love, Lord, but with your strength. Fortify them for the weighty job you've trusted them with. Give them physical strength for the mamas who are still waking up at night and chasing toddlers. Give mental strength to the mamas who are battling ever-increasing battles of the wits with their adolescence and emotional strength to the empty nesters who are missing their babies who have left home. Let them always remember to lean on you and that you are their true source of strength and wisdom on this journey of motherhood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I am happy to be continuing this sermon series that we're calling Encounter today. And we are joining hundreds of vineyard churches across the country in this series where we are examining more um, in depth the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. There's so much confusion in this world about the Holy Spirit. And in this series, we are aiming to bring some clarity and demystify some things. Now, Gino opened up this series um, uh, the first week, uh, saying that the vineyard believes in the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit is one person of the triune God, the Trinity being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that of revealing truth. Renee shared with us the value of companionship with the Spirit. And that while we may long for the experience of measurable activity of the Spirit, that we should aim to engage in the company of the Spirit. And that starts by opening up conversation with the Spirit, and it continues by continuing to communicate with the Spirit and letting Him guide and direct our lives. 
And while we can converse with the Spirit, hearing from God for ourselves, Jordan shared last week how we can also hear from God for other people. And he shared a beautiful testimony about how he and his wife, Nikki, received different words from different people that spoke into their lives. And he illustrated that God will use anyone, any age, gender, or spiritual rank, is not a factor in hearing from God for other people. And he encouraged us to pray for other people as a way to practice hearing from God. And again, I'd like to just put a shameless plug here for the prayer class that is coming up next weekend that I happen to be leading. And this is just a safe place to practice hearing from God for other people. So this morning we're going to be exploring the topic of spiritual gifts. And this is an area where there's different varied philosophies and beliefs, and there's so many questions that we may all have on the subject. And I don't claim to have all of the answers. But I do believe that if we look to the scriptures, that we can be begin to answer some of them. And that's my goal this morning. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are gifts given to the believers by the Holy Spirit. And there are four main places in the Bible that speak about, Holy, uh, that speak about spiritual gifts. And they're listed here. And as we look through this list, there are many different gifts... Some of them you may be familiar with, and some of them you may be less familiar with. But really, there are so many spiritual gifts. But what I'd like to speak about this morning is a group of gifts that's often referred to as sign gifts. Because I believe that this specific group of spiritual gifts is where there happens to be a lot of confusion and division. Sign gifts are simply referring to the gifts in the New Testament of miracles. So the vineyard is part of a movement of churches that was birthed out of the Jesus movement in the 1970s. And one of the founding pastors, John Wimber, described in one of his messages his, um, his frustration when he first came to faith with the church. And he, he said in his message, when do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff here in the Bible, the stuff Jesus did. Like, raise, like healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the blind, stuff like that. That stuff he was referring to were spiritual gifts. And so he grew the vineyard into a church that operated in these spiritual gifts. So we are going to explore this stuff this morning and see what the Bible has to say about it. And hopefully answer some questions that we may all have about spiritual gifts. So we're going to be beginning this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth because they actually had some questions and some confusion. And Paul was addressing one of their questions in this passage. Now, there are paper Bibles at the edges of your row. Also, feel free to engage in your digital Bibles on your phone and know that the text is also going to be displayed on the screen. And while you find that, let me pray. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you move in the hearts and the minds of everyone here today and watching online. Would you make this message accessible? Would you bring clarity where there is confusion? Would you move in a mighty way this morning and make your message come through? Would you take the reins, Holy Spirit? More of you and less of me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be getting starting in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does this work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we may help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So Paul has given us a pretty good description here of spiritual gifts and how they operate in the church. And while there may be many more questions that we may all have, my aim is to answer just three of them this morning. The first one being, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? I mean, healing, words of knowledge, speaking in unknown languages, it all sounds really fun, right? But is there a real purpose for them? Is there a reason that we should be seeking to operate in these spiritual gifts? Well, one purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify the triune God. In this passage, we are shown that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does a work in us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God, our Father, are all involved in spiritual gifts. In another place in the Bible that teaches on spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4.11 says, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Then there's a story in the book of Luke. I don't know if you've heard this one, but there's four men, and Jesus is ministering in a house, and these four men bring their friend, this crippled friend, and climb up onto the roof, and they dig a hole through the roof and drop their friend down, and Jesus uses the spiritual gift of healing. And then we read, and immediately as everyone watched the man jumped up, he picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. That is what we happen. That's what happens when we witness spiritual gifts. People are drawn upwards towards God, giving him the glory. Now, as a personal witness 
and recipient and participant in miracles and healings, words of prophecy and words of knowledge, I can attest to the fact that you just cannot leave an experience like that without praising God. I mean, getting healed up here on the prayer line, we are dancing and praising his name, right? Receiving a word of knowledge in small group, we are just in awe of how awesome God is. Spiritual gifts point to the gifter, and that gifter is God. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. The spirit is the source, and they are gifts. They're freely given by the spirit. They're not earned. They're not based on merit. And the Bible tells us that God gives good gifts to all of his children. And that means all of them. The young ones and the old ones, the new to faith, and the lifelong Christians. Now, growing up, I was part of uh, Girl Scouts. And uh, I, they had these cute brown uniforms and with a sash, right? And week to week, you would go and you would work on different activities. Maybe you would learn to sew, learn to cook something, learn to build a campfire or tie a knot. And, and you would earn badges that you could then sew onto this sash. So all of these badges that you earned were in direct relationship to work that you had done to receive them. But that's not how spiritual gifts work. Spiritual gifts are not rewards. But now, while anyone can receive a spiritual gift, spiritual maturity helps in operating in them, right? Because if you are spending your time in prayer and reading your Bible and trying to constantly hear from God, you are going to be more able to clearly hear God's voice if he is giving you a word of knowledge for someone. You are going to be more able to hear and sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit if he has someone that you need to pray for healing over. So while spiritual maturity is not a prerequisite to receiving spiritual gifts, it certainly is helpful in operating in them. So if we can't earn spiritual gifts, what are the conditions to receiving them? Well, there's only two. You need to want them, and you need to ask for them. 1 Corinthians 14 says, we should eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now that doesn't mean that we will always get what we ask for. The Spirit is going to choose to bless whomever he wants with whichever gift he wants because they are his to give. But I have found that the more that I seek certain gifts, the more that I seek to operate in gifts, and the more that I ask specifically for them, the more the Lord will bless me in those areas. Now, the other main purpose of spiritual gifts is to help people in our church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. 1 Peter 4, 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve each other well. Each gift is for the common good of God's family, his church. Now, one thing that's very important to mention is that the church meetings that were, that were spoken about in the Bible that speaks about spiritual gifts, they were not like church meetings now, okay? People were gathered together inside people's home in smaller groups of maybe 20 
or 30 people. And what, what they're saying is that, what Paul is saying is that in that smaller context, everyone can contribute. That in these small group settings, that people can all express spiritual gifts to lift up and encourage one another. One can bring a tongue, speaking in an unknown language from the Holy Spirit, and another can operate in interpretation of tongues, translating what is being said. One can bring a word of knowledge, a message from God for someone else, and another can bring a word of prophecy, speaking God's plans over somebody's life. And this is how we like our small groups here at the SSV to operate as well. We encourage all gifts of the Spirit to be used and embraced. And I have been witness to the amazing, encouraging power of spiritual gifts in small groups. When you receive a word of knowledge from someone, it's just uplifting and encouraging. And you may walk into small group with a pain in your back or in your leg, receive healing prayer, and walk out pain-free. Spiritual gifts build up the body of Christ. And in some ways, they're kind of like bodybuilding equipment. Now, I'm not expert at personal fitness, but I do know that if you work out a muscle, it goes strong. It grows stronger, right? So if I were to go to the gym and only do bicep curls for months, my biceps would grow stronger, right? They would get more toned, they might get bigger, I would be growing stronger, right? But if I'm only focusing on my biceps, though I may be growing stronger, I'm neglecting the rest of my body. And what's unfortunate is that this is what happens in some churches today in regards to operation of the spiritual gifts. This unbalanced approach where many of the spiritual gifts are suppressed. Maybe they allow the gift of teaching and the gift of the evangelism, but other spiritual gifts are not allowed. This is like telling the human body to only use some of its parts. Like, you can use your, your mouth, but don't use your ears or your eyes or your feet. And when this happens, it simply means that the church is not as strong as they could be. Now, I think that we need to touch on why some churches choose to operate in this way in, in regards to spiritual gifts. Some people in some churches believe that at a certain point in history, these sign gifts ceased to be in opera operation. So gifts like healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, um, and discerning of spirits. So there's this view that when the Bible was canonized, that means when all of the books of the Bible were put together and agreed upon in their final form, that at that time, sign gifts ceased. Now, other people believe that it ended, they ended at the end of the first, the, the first century or when the last apostle died. Now, some suggest that in 1 Corinthians 13 that these sign gifts passed away. And we can read in verse 8 through 10, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. And those who argue for the cessation of gifts, they believe that this time of perfection is referring to the canonization of Scripture. 
But what this time of perfection is actually referring to is the second coming of Jesus. And the reason that the gifts will become useless at that time is because we will no longer need them. We're not going to need the gift of healing because we will be healed. We're not going to need words of knowledge or prophecy from a fellow believer because we're going to be face-to-face with Jesus, right? So the verses say that our knowledge and prophecy are incomplete, but we know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring completeness, right? So that is when the gifts will cease because we're not going to need them anymore. But now, in this broken world, we need spiritual gifts. Now, when there is so much sickness, we need the gift of healing. When there is so much spiritual warfare, we need the gift of discerning and spir- of spirits. And when there's so much confusion, we need the gifts of words of knowledge and prophecy for revelation. But if these gifts are so good, if they glorify God and they build up the body of Christ, then why is there so much confusion about them? Well, I think the first reason is that Satan is sowing confusion. How many of you know that God has an enemy? Right? That while the Holy Spirit is revealing truth, Satan is coming right up behind him sowing seeds of confusion, right? But is it any surprise to you that Satan would want to bring confusion in this area? These gifts that we've been given, they're meant to glorify God and build up the body of Christ. They're meant to make us stronger and advance the kingdom of God, and that would be like number one on Satan's list of things to try and mess up, right? Because... It's his business to advance his kingdom, right? So Satan does not want a strong church. He does not want people being healed or delivered. He doesn't want people out there evangelizing or teaching. And it would not serve Satan well to have people receiving wisdom from God through words of knowledge or prophecy. There is nothing about spiritual gifts that serve Satan. Because spiritual gifts are all about glorifying God. All about strengthening God's people and advancing his kingdom. Satan wants a weak church. Who here is weak? Don't point to your neighbor. (laughs) Me. I am weak and I am reminded of it every single time I try and do life in my own strength. But we have not been asked to do it in our own strength. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. Satan loves to see Christians walking around in their own power. Ignorant to the power that has been gifted to them by the Holy Spirit. But we don't have to do this. We have this amazing opportunity to operate in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts. Now, another reason that there's so much confusion about spiritual gifts is because people are trying to analyze them without ever experiencing them. 
There's so much about the Christian life that cannot be understood unless you experience it. Have you ever seen an old cathedral? We're going to see some pictures here. There's these ornate stained glass windows, and from the outside, they're kind of like gray, dark, muted tones, right? But then you step inside, and with the backlit illumination, the windows come to life, right? You can see the ornate, intricate details, the vivid colors. What on the outside was muted on the inside is illuminated. And now, in the same way, some things in the Christian life you can just never make sense of from the outside looking in. You can never make worldly sense out of spiritual gifts because they are not of this world. Right? So Christians and non-Christians alike can try all they want to try and understand spiritual gifts, but they are always going to be confused if they're on the outside looking in. It is not until you encounter the power of the Holy Spirit by experiencing spiritual gifts that clarity will come that things will be illuminated and you will begin to understand. When you receive a word of knowledge for the first time, it's like, there is no way she could have known that. When you experience or witness healing for the first time, there is no way that could have just happened. It had to be God. These personal encounters with God, they are really transformational. But as amazing as these experiences are, there are some people who still choose not to engage in spiritual gifts. There's personal reasons why someone may choose to remain on the outside of the cathedral looking in. Why is that? Why don't we seek spiritual gifts? Well, I think that there could be a few reasons. Maybe we've had some disappointment with God. Maybe you've lost a loved one that you had been praying for and believing in God for healing. Maybe you've been asking to receive the gift of, the tongue, gift of tongues and you've even had someone pray over you to receive it and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you've been seeking the gift of prophecy or you've even tried to prophesy and it just kind of flopped. Or maybe you're seeking a job that God hasn't delivered on or a spouse or a baby that he hasn't delivered on. Life is full of letdowns, and it doesn't make you a bad Christian to experience disappointment. I think that we have all experienced disappointment. I know I have. But when it comes to disappointment, that's something that we're going to have to get comfortable with in regards to operating in the gifts of this Holy Spirit. Because you're going to be dealing with failure often. Okay? There's a certain level of humility that is required to operate in gifts of the Spirit. Because it's not our job to make God move. It's, all, it's not our job to heal. It's God's job. It's only our job to contend for it. But you are never going to be able to grow in the gifts of the Spirit unless you operate in humility and accept that sometimes you're going to miss the mark. 
I mean, maybe it's because of human error, but maybe it's because God simply didn't break through. You see, the kingdom of God is like a picket fence. Is it all wood? No. Is it all space? No. It is both wood and space at the same time. It is fence and it is not fence. The kingdom of God is here already, but it's not yet here. And we have to live in this tension at all times. So when we are seeking to move in spiritual gifts, it's not about us. It's about God. So when we're praying for someone or receiving prayer for healing and God doesn't break in and healing doesn't happen, that's not our fault. Sometimes God does break in and healing does happen. And we know that and we believe it and we have faith for it and we contend for it because we've seen it right here on the prayer line and in small groups. But sometimes God doesn't move. And there's teaching out there that says that the success or failure of healing prayer rests in the person giving or receiving the prayer. Like, oh, he didn't get healed because he didn't have enough faith. Or she just didn't pray hard enough. But Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say, move this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. God's power is strong enough to break in anytime, anywhere, with anyone. And when it doesn't break in, when God doesn't move, it is just part of the tension of the here, but not yet, of the kingdom of God. Now, you will find that there are certain people who flow more regularly in certain spiritual gifts. Maybe it's someone who prophesies accurately very often, or maybe it's someone who, you know, repeatedly prays for healing, and healing just happens more often when that person is praying. Now, we would say that that person flows in a spiritual gift. But we at the Vineyard believe that everybody who has the Holy Spirit has access to what is called situational giftings. And the only prerequisite is to have the, the Holy Spirit. And you too can pray for someone to be healed and they will be healed. And you too can give a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. But in order to operate in these gifts, you need to try, right? And when you do try, you need to humbly accept that you may miss the mark. That failure will happen, but it's not failure really. It's just living in the tension. So just keep trying. Now another reason we may not seek spiritual gifts is because we just aren't comfortable with them. Maybe you don't find sign gifts unbiblical, but you just have some discomfort with the supernatural. Now, I'll tell you as someone who was formerly on the outside of the cathedral looking in, I certainly had some discomfort with the supernatural. I remember when I was new to faith, uh, I came to SSV for a night of worship, and it was an extended evening of musical worship, 
And um, I was worshiping and praising God and singing, and my body started to kind of like shake. And I was freaked out. I was like shook, but like freaked out shook, not. And so I went to my friend Annie, and I was explaining what was happening, and she casually reassured me, like, it's okay, that happens, like, don't worry about it. But I, I decided to go into the kitchen and help with the dishes so that I could, like, gain control over my body and, like, distract myself from what was happening. Now, around the same time period as a new believer, when I would be in personal prayer time at home alone, you know, quiet prayer time, my lips would start quivering while I was praying. And I talked to a few people at church about it, and they said, maybe it's the gift of tongues. I was like, nope. <laughs> no way. <laughs> there is no way. That's not it. You're wrong. <laughs> but my friend Denise said, just try breathing out next time it happens and see what happens. Well, it took me weeks to build up the nerve to try that. And then I did. And then I had a new spirit language, the gift of tongues. And this experience really shocked me, like to my core. But as I researched it, I actually discovered that it was biblical. There are two types of gift of tongues that are talked about in the Bible. Um, the first being the tongues received at Pentecost. So in Acts chapter two, it describes when all the believers were gathered together, and then it, verse four, it says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So in this instance, the tongues that they received were other earthly languages that they just didn't know before. Okay, the other gift of tongues is a heavenly language, not an earthly language. First Corinthians first, um, chapter 14, verse 2 says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. It goes on to read, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, the more I searched in the Bible to help me understand this gift of tongues the more I realized how normal it actually was. Now, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And while I don't follow that advice to a T, I am not praying in the Spirit in the McDonald's drive-thru or at my kids' track meet, I am praying in the Spirit whenever I can in my own personal prayer time. And I have found that it has strengthened me personally. And it has strengthened my relationship with God. I now have this beautiful way to pray to God that transcends my own understanding. It's my spirit speaking to God's spirit, praying for things that I wouldn't have even thought of and praising him. And it really has strengthened me. But this discomfort that I was feeling initially with the supernatural, it really stemmed from a desire for control, right? I think that we all, we all like to control our environment, we all like to control our experiences, and most of all, we like to control our image, right? I mean, who wants to look like a fool? No. 
But the Bible says that we should not conform to the patterns of this world. We really are called to be different. And the way the Spirit works and moves may look foolish from the outside, but it's not foolish at all. And I believe that God wants to use spiritual gifts to build our trust in Him so that we can give Him more control. Because God wants us to trust Him in all areas. And I think that this is probably speaking to someone today. That God is telling you that he wants you to trust him more in this area. That you would trust him enough to seek spiritual gifts. That you would trust him enough to step out in faith and pray for someone who you feel needs prayer. That you would trust him enough to hear from him a message to share with a fellow believer. I believe God wants you to trust him enough to seek to operate in spiritual gifts on a more regular basis. Now, worship team, you can come back up. Now, another reason someone may not be seeking spiritual gifts is because they have experienced distorted teaching on spiritual gifts in the past. Now, this can be from either end of the spectrum, right? So maybe you grew up in a church that did not engage in signed gifts, and you have received warnings from someone that speaking in tongues is demonic, and it would open you up to demons. And naturally, that would lead someone to try and uh, stay away from spiritual gifts, right? Or maybe you grew up on the other side of the spectrum in a super charismatic Pentecostal church, And you were taught that if you didn't have the gift of tongues, you didn't have the Holy Spirit. Or that if you didn't have the gift of tongues, you weren't even a Christian. And I'd like to clear up right now that that is not what we believe in the vineyard. Now, maybe you've experienced prophecy that was presented as, thus saith the Lord, but it ended up not being true. Or maybe... There was so much hyper-emotionalism and stirring up of the spirit that it just turned you off to spiritual gifts altogether. But I'd like to say that the proper response to misuse of spiritual gifts is not the non-use of spiritual gifts. The proper response to the misuse of spiritual gifts is the proper use of spiritual gifts. And unfortunately, there is so much faulty teaching out there that can warp our perspective on things of the Spirit. But really, the authority on things of the Spirit is not a preacher or a teacher or a church. The authority on things of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. And he is the Spirit of truth. And he will reveal truth to you in this area if you seek his wisdom on it. So you do not need to take my word for it. I encourage you to study what the scripture has to say about spiritual gifts. And ask God to show you what the truth really is. The Holy Spirit has blessed the body of believers with spiritual gifts. These gifts are to glorify God and to strengthen us all. Satan really does not want us to have these gifts. 
He wants there to be confusion and aversion to gifts of the Spirit so that we as a church are weaker than we need to be. And spiritual gifts remain a mystery to some simply because they've never experienced them. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to change that today. I believe that God wants to invite this church into a new level of spiritual gifting. I believe that he wants to bring healing from past trauma of spiritual gifts. And I believe he wants to open hearts and minds to experience him in a new way today. So the worship team is going to lead us in one last song. And I feel that the Holy Spirit wants to meet us during this time of worship and release spiritual gifts, both here and online. So if you've been feeling a stirring in your spirit during this message, if your heart has begun to open to the idea of receiving a spiritual gift, if you're ready to trust God in this area, I believe that as we pour out our worship, God is going to pour back into us. And if you have a prayer language, the gift of tongues, feel free to use it as we worship in this last worship song. And today, being Mother's Day, it happens to be a pretty special day in the Vineyard Movement. It was on this day 43 years ago that a traveling pastor named Lonnie Frisbee visited a vineyard church. And he said for the first time, come Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. And spiritual gifts were released. And things got a little weird that day. But no weirder than Jesus. So would you pray with me on this Mother's Day, 2023? Would you pray with me, come Holy Spirit? Come Holy Spirit. You are welcome here to move and work in this place. Come with your power and your presence and bless us with your spiritual gifts this morning. So would you stand if you're able? And I just, I just pray that you, you pour out your worship and you cry out to God, that you use your spirit language if you have it, or you ask for one if you don't. Come more Holy Spirit.